Let's all stand for the word of God this morning. I want to read a popular scripture that a lot of us are familiar with. It's found in Genesis chapter 2, beginning at verse 18. And this is what the word of God says. And the Lord God said, It's not good for a man to be alone. I'll make him a suitable helper. Now the Lord God hath formed out of the ground all the beasts of, notice this, the Lord God hath formed out of all the ground of the beast of the field and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was the name. So the man gave names to all the livestock and the birds of the air and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord caused Adam to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, he closed up the place with flesh, and the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of man. And he brought her to the man. Let's pray. Father, bless this word today. Help us to understand and apply it to our lives. To really know exactly what it is that you want from us. I just leave it to you now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. You guys can have a seat. As we get into this word today, one of the fascinating things that really grabbed my attention as I read this passage of scripture is that I want you to imagine with me, God looks down. This is God we're talking about. He looks down at Adam and God says, it's not good. Now, God's having a conversation. This is the interesting part. With the Trinity, God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So God is having a conversation with himself, and he says, it's not good for a man to be alone. Now, when you read the story of creation, you see that every time God created something, he said it was good. So when God created the, the heavens and the earth, he said, man, that's good. When God created the oceans, he said, that was good. When God created the animals, he said, it was good. When God created the earth, he said, it was good. Everything that God created, God said, it's good. But for the first time now here, we read that God says something is not good. And he said that it's not good for a man to be alone. Now, I know what you're thinking, and I am not about to preach about marriage or dating or romance or any of that. Because as I read this passage of Scripture, there was something that the Lord just began to impress in my heart. God said for the first time, this is not good. But when you look at the story of creation, there was no sin in the world. Everything was perfect. Everything was fine. There was no death. There was no pain. And yet God said, this is not good. You're thinking, well, pastor, what's the point? It shows you an important principle. The truth is, is that there are things in our lives that may not be sin. Because there was no sin in the world. And there may be things in our lives that they're not, they might not be a sin. But they're not good for us. There's things in your life right now that you may be saying, well, God, th this technically isn't a sin, and God would agree with you. You're thinking of things right now, and you're saying, well, Pastor, I, I do this, but the truth is, this isn't a sin. And that's not a sin. But I wonder how many things in your life right now may not even be a sin. But God looks at you and says, it's not good. 
I wonder how many things in your daily routine are not good, even though they're not sin. We live in a world today that's so caught up in, in social media and, and video games and Netflix and all of that. And you might say, well, pastor, that's not a sin in your mind. It's not a sin. But when you can't get off it and it distracts you from everything else, it's not good. You might have certain relationships with Christian people, you're saying, well, it's not a sin, and, and you're right, it's not a sin, but there are certain people in your life, let's face it, they're not good for you. There's so many things, well, it's good to have a job, but if you're working all the time and you're neglecting your responsibility and your family, that's not good. My favorite one, people tell me all the time, I love this one. And they say, well, Pastor, the Bible doesn't say anything about smoking. You're right. It doesn't. But it's not good. Well, Pastor, my body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And some of you, you've built this chimney in your temple for all the smoke to come out. I get it. And you're never going to read in the Bible any of that because, let's face it, there are things that are not good in our culture today you will never see in black and white in the Bible. So then we paint it gray and we seem to think if it's a gray area, it's okay. Hey, gray is okay. But see, in the story of creation, we see that just because it's not a sin doesn't mean it's good. God looks at Adam and he says, this isn't good. What I pray is that God will begin to show you in your life the, the things that you're wasting your valuable time with, the things that you're wasting your potential on, everything in your life that you're saying, well, pastor, it's not a sin. God, it's not a sin. I can do this all I want. It's not a sin. We live in a church world now that all we seem to think is that God is concerned with the sin in our life. But what if God is also concerned with the things that are not sinful, but they're not good for you? Have you ever thought about that? You see, we tend to think that the only thing that destroys your life is sin, and that's obvious. But there are things in your life and in my life that God may not say is a sin. But it's not good for you. And God is just as concerned with what's not good for you than he is with the sin in your life. And when I read this passage of scripture, I really read it and I said, how is it that God looks down at mankind? He looks at you right now. And he's concerned about what's not good in your life. And I was encouraged because not only does God look down and see where you're at and, and concerns himself with what's not good in your life. When God looks down at Adam, he said, hey, it's not good that Adam's alone right now. We're going to do something about it. We're going to create a helper. We're going to create something to really help him out. And I was encouraged by that because I realized that when God looks down at you, he's not only concerned about what's not good in your life, God is also concerned about meeting your needs. You know, show me your hands right now if you have a need in your life. I think all hands should be up. Because in all of us, there's something lacking. Adam was lacking a wife, and there are so many people today, there's lack, there's missing. You're saying, well, Pastor, I agree. I have a need. I have a financial need. I have a healthy need. I have a need for my marriage. I have a need in my children. I have a need for a job. I have a need for this. I have a need for that. And I don't know what God is thinking. God is thinking about your needs right now. Do you realize that God was very aware of what Adam 
needed? Does that, we, you know, we read this, we're, oh, that's cute, that's nice, but do you realize that the creator of heaven and earth looked down at Adam and said, that's not good, and I got to do something about it, and Adam needs this, and I'm going to make sure I supply his need, because the Bible says that God will supply all your needs according to his riches. God is not a God that's up there saying, figure it out. God is not a God that's up there saying, well, I don't know what I'm going to do about this. God is not looking at your life and he's not confused. God is very aware. Listen, God is very aware of where you're at right now. Do you know how many people think God doesn't know or care about what they're going through? If you have a need in your life right now, God knows it. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 631, such a popular verse, he said, so do not what? Come on. Do not what? Do not what? Worry. How many are really good at this? Do not worry. You're like, well, easy for you to say. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know who I'm married to. You don't know who I'm raising. You don't know. God, Jesus said it clearly. I'm telling you, Jesus is saying to the people, I'm telling you, do not worry. Saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For pagans, this is people that don't know God. They run after all of these things. They're always concerned about the daily life and the temporal things. And God says, notice, they run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you what? You need them. Do you realize that God knows what you need and because God knows what you need, he tells you, do not worry. And this verse is only speaking in the future tense. Did you notice that? What shall we eat? What will we eat? What will we wear? What will we drink? Because the biggest worry in man's heart is the future. Because the future is what is unknown, and what is unknown scares you because you just don't know. And if you knew, you would have a sense of control, and control gives you peace. But the problem is in life, you're not going to know what's going to happen, and it bothers you. And you're thinking about tomorrow. Some of you are so messed up, you're in next year. Some of you are thinking about retirement and you're in your 30s. And we're so caught up in tomorrow and the future and what if and what are we going to do and and what if this happens and what if that happens and what are we going to do tomorrow and next year and five years and ten years. What are we going to do? We're thinking and thinking all about tomorrow and God says, I'm in tomorrow, but trust me today. He says, don't worry because I know what you need. God knows what you need. And when I look at the life of Adam, this is what concerned me the most in Genesis, verse 18 and 19. The Bible says that God looks at Adam. He sees that he has a need. And then God says, I'm going to meet this need. 
because it's not good for a man to be alone. I'm going to make him a helper suitable for him. And we say, oh, amen. Praise God. But look at verse 19. This is where I get disturbed. Now the Lord God hath formed out of the ground all the beasts of the fields and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. You say, well, pastor, what's the point? Did you notice that in verse 18, God says, man, Adam's alone. Adam needs something. Adam needs some help. I'm going to meet Adam's need. And in verse 19, you would think that God would just give Eve right there. If I'm writing this story, verse 19 is where I put Eve. But God didn't do that. God just said, Adam has a need. And I'm going to meet that need. Adam, come here. And Adam goes, yes, Lord, is she here? And God says, no. I need you to name all the animals. You see, sometimes this scripture shows me that God knows what you need. But he doesn't meet that need right away. And Adam could have said, God, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do you mean name all the animals? I thought you were calling me to bring me my woman, and you just want me to name all the animals? What are you thinking? Imagine if God gave you that task, and you have to sit down one by one, and every animal shows up, and he says, a horse? Yeah, horse. I'll go with horse. And another animal comes. Yeah, I think giraffe. What a lame job. I couldn't understand this, but I then realized something. When God knew that Adam was in need, he didn't meet that need right away. And we tend to think that God, if God knows what I need, God's going to do it right now. And God's going to show up right now. And God's going to give it to me right now. But see, God didn't give it to Adam right away. God actually gave him first a responsibility. And he made him wait. And maybe that's where you're at right now. You're waiting for God to do something already. You're waiting for God to meet that need already. You're waiting for God to just make it happen already. And you're telling God, God, you know that I need this. God, you know that I'm struggling. God, you know where I'm at right now. God, why don't you just do it? But sometimes God will not meet that need right away. Are you with me this morning? God knows what you need. But he won't always meet it in your time. Let's go back to Matthew 6, 31. This time through 33. And I want to show you something. Do not worry. Say that with me. Do not worry. And I know that when we read this, we say, oh man, I love this verse. Because Jesus has my back, and Jesus is saying not to worry, and he's going to meet my needs. And I love this. Oh, pastor, thank you for saying this. I, this encouraged me. This is the most discouraging verse to me in the Bible. I know. Wait, it's true. Let me show you why. He says, do not worry. Can we all say yay? Come on, say yeah. Don't worry, right? That's what the church says. Don't worry. Same, future, what are we going to do? What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? Sounds like you, right? Pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly father knows what you need. And you're like, yes, father, thank you that you know what I need. And I thank you that you know where I'm at. And you're going to meet my needs. And I love you, Lord, because you care for me. And we get all these goose pimples when we read this. But I want to tell you, verse 33 has a condition. It says, but seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added on to you. 
You know, this is where it stops. We stop it at verse 32 because we love the fact that the Bible says don't worry and we know and love the fact that God says I know what you need and we feel like God is saying I'm going to take care of you. Just live in peace. But why is it that we leave out verse 33 and we separate it? There's not a separation here. They work together. God says it like this. I know what you need so I don't want you to worry. But first, seek me. Do you realize that the Bible says that there is a condition for God to meet our needs? Anytime you see the word but like that in the Bible, it's a conditional promise. It's like if you come up to me and say, Pastor David, I need $20. I say, hey, I want to give you those $20, but first, could you mop the floor at church? Oh, Pastor David, I, I need to borrow your car. Oh, I'll give you my keys. Hey, but, but first, can you take care of Judah, my little, my precious cat? You know what that means? The minute I say, but first, it means that I can do it and I will, but first, I need you to do something. So now this verse changes for us because it says that God says, don't worry. I know what you need. I'm going to meet those needs, but first I need you to do something. And if you're here today and you're saying, well, it doesn't feel like God is meeting my needs, maybe it's because you're not holding in your end of the condition. God says, but first, seek me. Put me first. See, we want the blessings of God without the condition. We want God to meet our needs, but we don't really want to put him first in our lives. And we want God to be faithful to us, yet you haven't been faithful to him. And God says, I'll meet your needs, but first, I need to be a priority in your life again. That's what that word first means, to have them at the utmost highest in priority. So I want to ask you this simple question. Could you really say right now that God and the things of God are the utmost highest priority in your life right now? Is God the basis for all of your decisions? Is God the first that you seek? Is God really the priority of your life or not? It's a simple question to answer. God says, don't worry, I'll meet your needs, but there's only one thing I want from you. I want to be first in your life. You know, some of us, we treat God like that friend we have that you know only calls you when they need something or want something. How many of you have a friend like that? The minute you see their, your, their name at your phone or caller ID or whatever, you're thinking, oh, something happened. They need something. And they're like, hey, how are you doing? It's been a minute. And you're like, just tell me already. Why is it that we run to God when we're in crisis, but when he fixes everything up, we vanish? And that's why God has to keep you in crisis because he wants you to keep seeking him. Amen. It's that simple. God says, I'll meet your needs. But first, seek me. And there's so many people that are in crisis, but the truth is, you stop seeking God. And God wants to know, am I going to be first in your life or not? You look at Abraham and God wanted to bless him and make him a father of many nations. But then he challenges him to sacrifice his own son. I'm thinking, why? He said, because I want to know that you fear me. I want to know that I'm going to be first in your life. 
When he called Peter to be a disciple, he called him to drop everything and follow him. He said, Peter, I have a plan for your life. I have a destiny for your life. But I need to know that if I would tell you to quit your job and drop everything and sell your business for me, I want to know that you'll do it. When Hannah prayed for a child and God, she said, Lord, if you give me this child, I'll dedicate him to you first. And then it was only then that Hannah did that, that God opened her womb. I wonder what God can begin to do in your life. If you say, God, I'm going to put you first again or for the first time ever. When God is first, you prioritize the things of God like church and Bible study and prayer and seeking him. When God is first, he's first in all of your choices. You're going to think before you even make a choice, how is this going to affect my spiritual walk with God? When God is first, you don't neglect the things of God. See, it's so easy to say, God, meet my needs. God, I don't want to worry anymore. God, I don't want to live in fear anymore. God, please. I, I, but God says, I, I don't want you to worry either. And I know what you need, and I can take care of you. But first, seek me. Seek me first. Some of you, God was first. But then something or someone else got in the way. Some of you, God has never been first in your life. Today you can make that decision. See, before God could meet the need of Adam, there were three tests Adam had to go through. And as I read that, I realized these same tests is what God's going to put you through before he can meet your need. I want you to think right now, before I give you this test, the greatest need you have in your life right now. Are you thinking about it? Show me your hands if you're thinking about it, if you got one. All right. Before God can meet those needs, there are three tests you have to pass. You guys ready for them? It's not easy, and you're not going to like your pastor after. But number one is the test of faith and obedience. Adam had a need. God knew he needed that need. But before God could even supply that need, he gave him a job. He gave him a responsibility. See, I believe that before God can meet your need, he's going to put you in an area to test your responsibility and your obedience and your faith. And Adam had to be faithful with what God commanded him to do, name the animals. See, I believe that before God can get you to where you need to be and meet your needs, he's going to test you to see if you can be faithful and responsible where God has placed you. Because in life, there are three areas of needs. And this is how it goes. Number one is what I want. Say, God, this is what I want. Tell God what you want right now. And then God says, I know that's what you want, but I'm not a God of wants. I'm a God of need. And God says, because I'm your God, I'm obligated to meet this, your need, but not that, your want. You get it? And sometimes, just sometimes, you're going to go through this test that what you need is not what you want. You know the test when God says, you need to forgive them. 
and you say, but I don't want to. And God says, you know you need to tithe. And you say, but I don't want to. And you know you need this in your life. But I don't want that. Paul needed a thorn in his flesh to make him spiritually stronger. And God said to Paul, you need this. But Paul said, I don't want this. Get it away from me. And what happens today is that we're mixing our wants for our needs. And we are convinced that what we want is what we need. But sometimes God says what you need, you may not want, but you need it anyway. So God's going to place you in an environment of animals, in an environment that's not that pretty. God's going to place you somewhere that you're going to pray all the time, God, I don't want this. Say, Lord, I don't want this anymore in my life. But then God says, I know you don't want it, but you need it. You know how many things in my life I didn't want? But I look back and I said, man, I'm glad I went through that because it's what I needed. What do you do when God places you somewhere in life you don't want but you need? Do your wants become greater than God's needs for your life? That's the first test. God wants to know, will you trust me in the areas that you don't want? Will you have faith when I do something in your life you don't want? Will you be obedient to me when you're in a season you don't want? You'll be surprised how many people are irresponsible and faithless and neglect God's things and are disobedient because God has placed them somewhere they don't want. But what if you pass this test and if you don't want it, it's okay, you know you need it and you're faithful to it. It's like people that they want a promotion at their job, but they're in a position right now they don't want. And because they don't want that position, they're lousy at it. You show up late to work, you do the bare minimum, and whatever you do, you complain about. Well, why? Because I don't want this job. I want the promotion. And God says, I know you want it, and I know that you need it, but I want to know how you're going to do first when I put you somewhere you don't want. Will you trust him? Some of you, you don't want to be single anymore. And God knows you need, Poppy. You need a woman. You need someone. But while you're in this season of wanting someone, you're the worst single person ever, complaining all the time. Thank God you saved money this Valentine's Day. Come on. (laughs) Complaining, I don't want to be alone anymore. And then there's a married person that says, I don't want to be married anymore. My point is this. Do the best you can with where God has you at right now. You may not want it. Man, when I, before I became a pastor and I was on that road to becoming a pastor, my, my pastor, who was also my boss, he handed me a mop and a bucket and said, welcome to ministry. I didn't want that. I knew that I could teach and preach. I knew I had a calling, but I know that I didn't want it, but I needed it because it was in that dark time in my life that God began to develop me. So there's so many areas in your life you're saying, well, God, I don't want it. But what if you need it? Enjoy where you're at now. And if that's where God has you, be faithful to it. Be obedient to it. You're so caught up in the future and what you want that you're neglecting where God has you now in the present. If you're single, make the best of it. If you're married, make the best of it. 
If you're a newlywed, make the best of it. Stop thinking, well, we want kids. No! Enjoy it now. Enjoy where God has you. Well, Pastor, I don't want it. It's just a season. When Joseph was sold into slavery and thrown into prison and betrayed by his brothers, do you think that Joseph wanted that? Of course not. But the Bible says that when Joseph would clean the floors, he did such an amazing job that they noticed that God was with them. I don't know how good that boy cleaned, but they said it was so good, they knew it had to be God. You listening, Maria? It was so good, it had to be God. And they promoted him. And then when he was thrown in prison, do you think he wanted that? Of course not. But while he was there, he was responsible, and they gave him position there. Because Joseph didn't want to be a slave. He didn't want to be in prison. He didn't want to be betrayed by his brothers. But don't you know it's what God needed him to go through? So maybe you're in a season in your life like Adam. You have a need in your life that God hasn't met, and you're in a season you don't want. But maybe the things you don't want right now, God is saying you need. There's some people in your life you don't want. You don't like them. Stop pretending to be this Christian that loves everyone. There's people you don't like. And you're thinking, I don't know why God has them in my life. It's because you need them. Did you just... (laughs) Are you following this? Be obedient where the Lord has you. Say, Lord, I may not want where I'm at right now, but I trust you. I'll be faithful to it. That's why I love our church. We've gone through, I don't know how many churches now. Everywhere. We're like the Israelites. We pick up tents and we go. We're just everywhere. And in our years as a church, God has put us through things we didn't want. But we need it. So that's the first test. It's the test of faithfulness and obedience by being responsible to what God has given you now. The second test is the hardest test, I believe. And it's the test of removal. Did you notice that before God can meet Adam's need? He had to do a little flesh work. That's what the Bible says. God had to take Adam's rib out of his flesh and sew up the flesh. That's what the Bible literally says. He closed up the flesh. And God knows what you need. But sometimes God can't give you what you need because there are certain things he has to begin to remove from you and your life. And this is when the test gets hard. Because God could not, not would not, God could not bring Eve without the rib of Adam. Well, he's God. Why couldn't he use a tree? Let me explain something to you. If God would have used anything else, the sanctity of marriage would have been destroyed. There would never have been one between man and woman. God needed something from Adam to make Eve. And what if God today is saying, I can meet your need right now, but there's something in your life I need to take away from you. I need to remove from you. You see, God can meet your need, but some of you can't get there because God has to work on your flesh. And your flesh is in the way of your need. And God can't bring it to you because the flesh is in the way. And God has to take something out of you. 
See, I believe God can meet your need, but before he can do that, he needs to take out a bad attitude you have. God needs to take out a sinful habit in your life. And you're saying, God, meet my needs. God, please meet my needs. And God says, I can and I will, but first, let me get in that little flesh of yours. How many of you have been a little fleshy lately? How many of you came to church today in the flesh? You're, so, you're in the flesh now, you're lying. <laughs> Before God can bring something into your life, I believe that there's people he needs to remove from your life. There's habits he needs to remove. There's attitudes he needs to remove. There's sin that he definitely needs to be removed. And let me tell you why this test is so hard. It's because God says there may be things in your life now that you do want, but you don't what? Need. See, the first step says God is going to do something you need you don't want. The second test of removal turns that around, and God's going to remove something you want, but you don't need. And the devil convinces you that what you want, you need. And that's why so many people struggle to let go of things and, the, and struggle in the flesh and they struggle with sin and they don't get to the place where God wants them to be and they don't reach their full potential because you're caught up in what you want but you know you don't need. Well, but I like my rib. <laughs> my rib's been with me for years. But see, that rib was there temporary. It needs to go. And there's some things in your life where there's just for a season, but God says it's time to let that go. Because there's things you want you don't need. That's why so many people today are messed up, because the first thing you do is go for what you want. And you don't even stop to think, do I really need this? Some of you ladies want more shoes. You don't need them. And you want to get out of debt, but that's why you're in it. Some of you, you want the extra cookie. You don't need it. I saw you on Wednesday. Bible study, I was like, they don't need that extra cookie. And you were like, ah, oh. you know, I was like, oh, God, whatever. <laughs> Some of you say, well, Pastor, I, I want this person in my life. But you don't need them. You say, well, well, God, I just, I just like it and I want to keep doing this. And God says, I know you want it, but you don't need it. And so many people in the Bible messed up their life and future because they wanted something they didn't need. Samson wanted Delilah. He didn't need her. How many things in your life are you wrestling with because you want it, but you know you don't need it? And then God says, I want to take this away from you. Because we read the verse that says, the Lord gives and the Lord what? Takes away. But let me tell you what the Lord put in my heart. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But sometimes the Lord cannot give until he takes something away. There's so many things in our lives that are in the way of our need that God cannot fix until he gets into your flesh of yours and he removes something from you. And from that very rib that he removed, he made Eve, which means that God can use what he has taken from you. Whatever you've done, whatever you've struggled with, whatever has not been a need in your life, but you wanted and did it and you've messed up your life, I'm here to give you some encouragement. God can turn it for something good. God can still fix it. God wants to get down into that flesh of yours and fix it 
so he can bring about something good. But you have to stop living this life that what you want is a priority and start living a life. And you say, Lord, if I don't need it, I don't want it. Start praying this prayer. Let me tell you what's too, I don't want to call them a waste of a prayer because you can pray anything you want, but I think you should pray a little different. Stop telling God what you want. Stop telling God what you need. Does God not know what you need? All right. Does God not know what you want? So why don't you begin to pray and say, Lord, show me what I don't need so that I don't want it. Lord, begin to show me what I don't need. Show me. You don't need that man. You don't need that place. You don't need this habit. You don't need that. You don't need that. And if I focus on what I don't need, I can move to a place where I don't even want it. Trust God that way. Understand something. God says, the first test I'm going to put you in, I'm going to put you in a place you don't want, but you need. And the second test is there's going to be things you want, but you don't need. And I believe today God's about to do some flesh work in this church. And he's going to take out certain ribs. And when he does, trust him. And I'll close with this one, the last one. It's the test of rest. Did you notice that before God can bring Eve to Adam, he had to cause him to fall into a deep sleep. And when I read the story of creation, I read of God just speaking things into existence, and sometimes I say, Lord, why can't you just speak things into existence in my life? Why don't you just make it happen? Some of you are there right now, you're saying, God, can't you just make it happen? Can't you just do it? Of all the things God created, it was Eve he took his time with. And I wondered why. You see, God put Adam into a deep sleep so that man would learn to rest on God. God was teaching Adam that there are some things in your life you can't do without me. And you know that you sleep only when you're tired, right? And the Lord put this in my spirit that maybe someone here today, you're tired. You're tired of going through the same struggle. You're tired of dealing with the same issues. You're tired of someone that's in your life. You're tired of all the problems. And what if God is allowing you to be tired of it so that you can learn to just rest on him? It was only when Adam rested that God got to work. And maybe today God is saying, you need to start trusting me and just rest, that I'm going to work in that area of need in your life. So you're here, you're saying, well, Pastor, I'm just tired. When you're tired, just rest on God. God's going to work in your need in your life. 
We're hard at work trying to figure something out. We're hard trying to make something happen. You're living independently from God, and it's not going to work. So sometimes I believe that God allows us, like Adam, to have a lack or a need so that we can run to him in dependence and trust. And if there is a need in your life right now, if there is a need in your family, your marriage, your children, if there is a need in your financial issue, whatever it may be, God says, I will meet your needs. But first, put me as a priority in your life again. And when you pray this prayer and you say, Jesus, just be the priority of my life again, God says, I'll be the first in your life. But I'm going to put you through these tests. So then God says, when I see you, put me first. I'm going to put you in places you don't want, but you need. And if I'm first in your life, you're going to trust me. And when you put me first, I'm going to take away things in your life you want, but you don't need. And if I'm first, you're going to trust me when I take that away from you. And if I'm going to be first in your life, I'm going to need you to just rest and trust me. And I'm going to work in that need in your life. And I love what the Bible says in verse 22 and 23. The Bible says, And the Lord God made woman from the rib. He brought her to Adam. I love that the Bible says, that God brought it. Adam didn't have to go looking. Adam didn't have to be anxious about it. God just brought her. And I believe God's going to bring things into your life only after you've been faithful and responsible in those areas you don't want but you need, and only after you allow him to remove the things in your life you think you need but you don't really need. So then God says, the Lord God made woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. And I love what Adam says. Adam wakes up and says what? At last. Like, finally. This one is bone from my bone. You know what Adam said? Hey, I, re I know, I recognize you. Weren't you part of my bone? You see, Adam realized that God he used what he no longer needed. And God brought her. And Adam went to a place in his life that he said, at last. Don't you want to reach that moment in your life that you say, at last, I'm out of debt. At last, my marriage is healed. At last, my children have come to Christ. At last. Then go through these tests. If God has you in a place you don't want, ask him, Lord, if I need it, I'll be faithful. And maybe you need to ask God, Lord, there's things in my life I want, but maybe I know I don't need this. So Lord, take it away from me. And maybe you just need to start resting on God and let him get to work. With every head bowed and every eye closed today, can we all stand to our feet? If you're here this morning, you're saying, God, there's a need in my life. 
Would you show God your hands right now, up in the sky right now, if you're saying there's a need in my life? If you're in a place in your life right now you don't want, but maybe God is saying you need it. Or maybe there's something in your life that God is just speaking to you and dealing with you with that he needs to remove from you in order to get you to a place where you need to be. And some of you right now, you're anxious. And you're worried about your life and your future. And God is saying, don't you worry. I'll meet your need. But seek me first. And you say, well, pastor, that's where I failed. God is not first in my life. But I need him to be. If that's you today, would you put that hand up so I can pray with you today? God bless you. See your hands there. See you. And maybe you're here today and you're saying, well, Pastor, God has never been first in my life. Today you can make that decision by asking the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sins, by surrendering your life to him, knowing that apart from Jesus, you can never get to God. And you need to place your faith and your trust in him today. But I want you to leave this service knowing God knows what you need. God also knows what you don't need. And if you would just put him first and make him a priority, the Lord can change your life like you've never imagined. And maybe you're tired like Adam was. And you need to start resting in God. He's going to work in that life of yours. He's going to work in that person you care about. God is up to something. Adam couldn't see it because he was asleep. Adam could not see it. But while Adam was asleep, God was working. And I want to tell someone here today, you may not see it, but God is working. And God is doing something. And he's going to bring about something that's going to cause you to praise him like Adam did. So let's pray together as we dismiss here. Father, I lift up every heart here and soul today to your hands. If you're here this morning, you're saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus for the first time and make him first in my life. You just pray this with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. As I turn now to you, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know that you died on the cross for my sins, and today I surrender to you in Jesus' name. And if you're here today and you're saying, Pastor, I know that I'm born again. I know that I love Jesus. I know. But God hasn't been first in my life lately. And there's things that I'm doing that I want that I know I don't need. And God has me in a place in my life I don't want, but I know I might need it. And maybe you're saying, God, there's things in my life I know you need to remove from my flesh. And it's hindering the work that you want to do in my life. If that's you today, let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for this. Any person here today that's acknowledging they need to put you first. For any person that knows there's things in their life they don't need, but they want. For every person that keeps running to that sin, for every person that keeps running to that thing that you know may not even be a sin, but it's not good for them. For every distracted person, for every person that has lost their first love for you. Father, I pray that you just renew their faith and renew their heart to seek you first again. And whatever is in their life, 
that they no longer need. Father, work in them in such a way that it's just far removed from them. And work something good out of it. For every person trapped in habitual sin, for every person stuck in bad habits, for every person that's doing something, Lord, that they know they don't need, but they want to anyway. Give them the strength to overcome that flesh and work in their flesh right now to get them where they need to be. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, God. Have a great week. I love you all. See you all Wednesday, 8 o'clock for Bible study. Or also next Sunday, we start a brand new series. It's going to be exciting. But for now, have a great week. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon. God bless you.